56, I think. Yeah, it is 56. So I guess, are, are we ready? I think so. All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast. It's episode 56. And with me always is Richard and Boy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Happy August. It is August now. Can you believe it already? Well, it's one day closer to uh, November 3rd. Look, which... Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I can absolutely believe it was August because it was 102 degrees today. <laughs> yeah, but last week, I do my running in the mornings, and last week, like three days in a row, I was running, and it was in the 50s. So I'm not going to complain about one hot day. I think the lowest we've dropped to in Mississippi is maybe 73. Maybe. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I'm uh, Roy. And we're, we're braving the elements to bring you a show because right. both uh, Rich and I are in the midst of a major thunderstorm rolling through. Yeah, the Even same though we're, storm. We're, yeah, we're like 10 hours apart by <laughs> driving. It's, we're, it's the same band of thunderstorms. Yeah, right. the extreme southern end is over me and the extreme northern end is over Roy. And Adam is just left there with the heat. Yeah, yeah it's just it's <laughs> hot and sunny here. Um, it's, it's always sunny in Mississippi. Uh, we could do it with better characters, I think, because we have all these problems, much more problems. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you seen our flag situation? I know you're talking I thought about you guys it. resolved that. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, but okay. They, how do you say? Uh, they accept. They accepted. Um, it, it was. How do you say it? It was open. Damn it! How do you say it? Uh, anybody could submit is what I'm trying to say. Any anybody could submit, and anybody did submit. The only <laughs> requirement was it had it had to say on it, "In God We Trust." And so they got about so that they took the stars and bars off and replaced it with a swastika, and that's uh, that's our new one. If well, not yet. We got three thousand. <laughs> Over three, just over three thousand submissions uh, for it, and they just today just trimmed them down to one hundred and sixty. So, and some of them were hysterical that people obviously submitted as a joke. Like, uh, do you remember when the Ole Miss football player hiked his leg up, and that was like a big controversy? I do not remember nope. that. Yeah, it was like uh, it, it. It basically was. Um, a necessary celebration or whatever, he hiked his leg up and it, like he would pee on the ball. Somebody turned that picture into a flag and stuck, oh yeah, I do remember that and stuck like in God we trust in like uh, bubble comic sans on it and that got in uh, yeah, like he, Calvin peeing on a Chevy logo or something like something that. like that and, and <laughs> it was like literally people were so, I'm, I'm not joking and if they're still available to look at i'll link them in the show notes some of them were literally written in crayon and just they took a picture of it with their phone and mailed it in you should have done one adam you should have done like some anthropomorphic badgers driving tanks or something no the one (laughs) i was going to do but i mean i can't draw but i guess that didn't matter but i really thought it it still would have been funny uh, for it to work, I, I guess I would have had to hit like Fiverr or something, and um, and got 
uh, somebody to do it, it would have. Okay, you know the Gadsden flag, which is in God. Uh, don't not, tread on don't me. Don't tread on me. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Take that flag. Oh and, yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm maybe talking about this. Yes, and put put the snake around a bottle of oxycotton. <laughs> and, and have it say, don't educate me on the back. And of course, on the bottom, it would have to say, in God we trust. So anyway, so that's what we've been doing, you know. Well, I got to tell you, man, and I'm not exaggerating. Missouri's got a great flag and St. Louis has maybe the best city flag in the whole country. It's amazing. So Missouri's flag has bears on it, which is always cool. Bears? And Yeah. And St. Louis's flag is just it's just very simple, but it's got the two rivers coming together with the fleur-de-lis right in the middle of it, and it's just a great, great flag. So, all right, come up here. We'll show you how to do it. Nice. So, have you listened to uh, 99% Invisible with Roman Mars? No, I've it's, heard it's a like podcast. an episode here or there, but okay. not regularly. He and he did a TED talk too uh, about uh, about flags and about Vexillology, uh, I believe. Yes. It's called. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I can only hope that Roman Mars put a uh uh you know submitted a design yeah i don't i don't i wonder if if it was like restricted to people who just lived in mississippi or we don't care anybody (laughs) it definitely looked like they took anybody (laughs) because some of them were pretty bad my favorite one was just this it was like orange and it had crammed all together (coughs) in the middle of the flag it was like kermit the frog a um a magnolia a uh a guitar and and something else and it just looked just so psychotic that i was like yeah and it's just said in god we trust it must have i just love the idea i love the idea of people submitting random designs of literally anything you can imagine and then at the end they just write in god we trust at the bottom (laughs) well i was thinking about adam's uh asl t-shirt that he made Oh yeah! Submit something yeah. like that. Oh my gosh! And I, could just, have, I could have done that, where I literally just drew it <laughs> in crayon, because people did. They drew it in crayon and submitted it, and they put glitter on it and whatever. But anyway, I don't know. Don't we do a tabletop show? Something? I don't know. Do we? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I still. You know, I wanted to uh, talk to you guys about like the beer exchange that we talked about, maybe uh, possibly doing. So, mm-hmm. what kind of beer do you not like? Uh, dark English stuff that you drink warm. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you could drink a lot of dark stuff, um, uh, cold, you know, but okay, no dark, yeah. no, like heavy lagers, coffee porters, that kind of stuff. I like a stout, but it, I don't know. It's I, usually I drink lighter stuff. Of course, I'm beers, not, I'll call them. I'm, I'm pretty flexible. So, Okay. Me, personally, I hate IPAs. Okay. Yeah, I don't like IPAs either. I'm not crazy about all the hops. That's it. Is And there's actually a... I discovered recently that um, it, it's called like a BTU level or something like that. that talks IBU. About IP, IBU? Okay. I think, yep. I think BTU is like gas. British the, thermal the unit. Yeah, okay. So it's I, IPU or IBU? IBU, International Bittering Unit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the higher it is, like the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, yeah. So, uh, so no. no so I, I, don't, I don't. I don't drink that much beer. Usually, I, I drink spirits um, or wine. But like whatever drink you would get for your little sister, that's probably the beer that I would drink. <laughs> 
Roy, he has he's saying he has a much more refined palate than than. Oh, no, I didn't right. say that. I just I don't know. I just don't drink that much beer. Then it's bleeps. Uh, I've been enjoying a uh, from Wine and Kugels makes a grapefruit shandy. So if you if you imagine yeah, that. squirt, so it tastes like squirt and beer together. Yeah, I've, I've had the lemon shandy that they do. Yep. It's good. Not a fan uh-huh. of grapefruit because grapefruit is okay. gross. No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. People have that became like some kind of breakfast food for you know the stereotypical breakfast food, like it was cut in half and you would eat mm-hmm. it. And it was like always in comics and stuff that you would stick your spoon in it, it would immediately shoot grape juice in your eye. Yep. So, yeah, that's just a thing. That was physical humor, kids. They used to do that. <laughs> it used to be huge. Which uh, remind- I'm sure PewDiePie has a video like that that the kids sure. know about. Uh, which reminds me, I'm uh, really proud of one of my kids that, um, she, she watched The Office after, you know, it's, they'll never watch anything you suggest, but like if their peer group suggests it, you know, they're like, oh, yeah. cool, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So she watched The Office and she liked it. And, um, I was like, okay, the obvious next step is, uh, you need to watch Parks and Rec. Yep. And she put it off for so long and finally started it. And she's like, I like it better. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it said it's funnier. It has more heart. Uh, it's not, she's like, it's not as cringy as The Office. And I'm like, yeah, The Office is really, it, that's what it was. It was cringe humor, mm-hmm. more or less. It was like, um, you know, what dumb stuff will Michael Scott, you know, say or whatever. They just kind of really developed the character so you liked them. It's, the and it's because the comfortable when that's at its best. Yes. Yeah. The uh, Leslie is such a um, an optimistic, like all the time kind of person. That I, that is, yeah. That's she's um, she's a bright spot in the world, I guess. Yeah. True. It, yeah. She. Uh, my kid mentioned that that like you know oh wow you know I, you know I really like her and I was like well what do you think of uh, Ron Swanson. He's like, well, he's kind of like if Michael Scott was smart, <laughs> and and I'm like, I could, you know, I, I could see that, you know, he's supposed to be like this this manly man, you know, it's just he has just very strong opinions about you know some things, but he's very very confident and sure of himself, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. So was, a follow on from there is a show called What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Which is about true. vampires. Yep. I've started. I get. I'm giving it another chance. Okay. Because two things. Okay. I watched the movie, and yep. really I seen that. Really liked it, and I watched the first episode of the FX series, and was like, eh, it's not that great. <laughs> well, and it's got it's got Matt Berry. I know, and I love Matt Berry. I think he's the Clem great, Fandango. Can you hear me? Yes, he's the greatest thing to ever come out of England. You know. And uh, was that Thunder? It was. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we haven't made it through the night yet. <laughs> we'll make it. We'll have Robo Rich. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, Roy, did you even notice Robo, uh, Robot uh, Roy last time? Robo Roy? I, I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was he was hard to understand. So you got to yeah, you got to dial in his uh, voice box. Yeah, it's, I do. And it's like, you know, having it to. You want them to sound more like a robot, so you kind of stretch it out, like what they're saying. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. that was like, I like Michigan. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, anyway. 
So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Roy, you gave somebody a ride? Yeah, yeah. so I was uh, driving around today, and this dude uh, was at the crosswalk, and I waved him across, and he comes over to my window, and he says, and mind you, I was on 28th Street. He had to go to 1st Street and then farther past that. So he's like, how far is it to that I need to go? I said, dude, you got to go a long ways. And so I'm like, I started thinking about like, I could just give this guy a ride home because like the rain's coming. And he says, and I have a torn meniscus. And he pointed at his knee and he had like a baseball sized knot on the side of his <laughs> knee. And I'm like, this is going to wreck him, you know, the whole way down. So, uh, yeah, I gave the guy a ride. So I don't know. Have you guys ever just given a random stranger a ride somewhere? No, I was raised in the 80s. Stranger danger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably the first time I've ever done that. So how do, you're lucky because like his swollen meniscus, that could have been a cleverly disguised uh, small gun. Oh, like that, a hand grenade or something? Yes, that he would have uh-huh. like psh, pulled, pulled it <laughs> off and been like, all right, this is a robbery. And, no, but it was all good. I don't know. It seems like if I was in a truck, I'd be like, okay, you, I can give you a ride, but you have to ride in the back. Oh, all right. <laughs> that way, uh, you don't, like, try to get me. <laughs> I don't know. I still... I used to see him a lot more, like, in the 90s, but I very rarely even see a hitchhiker nowadays. Hmm. So, uh. um, so I'm not going to do a movie review, but I have one in the pipe. So it's uh, and I and I don't want to spoil it, but it's a it's a piece of work from 1974, I like uh, it. starring a well-known actor. Okay. Well known then or well known now? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Sometimes it's e- you know sometimes it's either or you know it, it with somebody that had a career or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Anyway. And, and as far as the uh, the other people in the film, I have not seen any of them in anything else. Okay. But that'll be next time around, so cool. stay tuned. And uh, you guys think we should have, Hollywood should have us a, a high-dollar Thundercast reboot? Absolutely. I think they should, but I think they'll mess it up. So there, I guess there have been a few reboots. We did a little bit of research there. What, it was 2011 there was a reboot that kind of tanked? Yeah, that was like yeah. the first one since the one in the 80s. And okay. uh, I remember a lot of hype about it. I remember, like, I think it did a, had a toy line and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, I guess it just didn't do well. And then we found, too, one called Thundercats Roar, which I, I guess a lot of uh, fans kind of kind of shit on it. Because it's, it's kind of the same sort of animation as... Because it's um, crap? I guess, yeah. <laughs> What's uh? Let's see, what's the um? It, it kind of looks like Mystery Falls. Gravi- Is that the Gravity right? Falls. Gravity Falls. Yes. I, so, think, I mean, it's, okay. Sorry, so go ahead. I I was gonna say I think what happened was uh you guys familiar with the Teen Titans cartoon? Uh yeah, a little bit. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's it's really good. It's <laughs> you know it's what it's highly acclaimed. Everybody loved it, and it, it went off the air, and then it was like. Like, hey guys, we're we're bringing it back. We're gonna bring it back, guys. It's coming back, and people got all excited. And then they gave us Teen Titans Go, which is kind of a it's kind of like Powerpuff Girls level animation, and it's just dumb stuff. It's like designed for like five year olds. No. Whereas the 
the original cartoon was, you know, more serious and, you know, fun, exciting, and whatnot. So people got really pissed off at that. So maybe that's what they were doing. Hmm. And it angered people. Yep. But, you know, I like to be angered. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do a movie. Somebody do a movie, a Thundercats movie. A live action make, one. Make it live action. Although live action is kind of not doing real well these days. Well, surely they have some leftover CGI from that Cats live action thing. <laughs> the, the, butt, <laughs> the, the butt cut? Uh, yeah, the, the I remember when that was trending on Twitter. Release the butthole cut or, or whatever <laughs> it was. Because, you know, I mean, you can just get on Twitter and claim anything. And uh, somebody was like, hey, um, my friend worked on that, and his whole job was to uh, delete the buttholes off the CGI cats and the whole thing. <laughs> and so it just made people laugh and, uh, you know, do it. I got, like, uh, the, the only way it got on my radar was, you know, Erdis, Erdis Alba, you know. Idris, yeah. Idris, Idris, really? Idris, Idris. Idris, damn, I'm Well, you guys know I can't pronounce anything. Idris Alba, you know, really cool uh, gentleman from um, England. Anyway, he was in something, and, like, the headline was, like, Cats star Idris Alba in blah, 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 blah. And everybody commented under, like, how are you going to do him like that? Out of all the stuff he was, he was known for. Because I, I was like, how are you going to do Stringer Bell from The Wire like that? You know, out of all the things this man has done in his career... You're like, eh, I'm just gonna hang this uh, cat's thing on him. You know, that's that's what he did. So anyway, just not right. <laughs> so Roy, you're still in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yes. So we're still playing on board game arena, and part of that is because uh, my house is not really fit to do that right now. My my game room is torn apart. I'm redoing the floor and stuff. So, um, but I'm I'm getting a little tired of playing online and not seeing people. Um, yeah, me too. But I played uh, Puerto Rico this past Friday with um, some expansions to it. So we, and I played this one other time with drafted buildings. So like, there's a whole setup before you actually start playing the game of you have to draft. It probably goes around about four or five times where you pick a, a building and like we're gonna play with this one. Um, so I played Puerto Rico with the Nobles expansion and the drafted buildings. So one of the roles that you take in Puerto Rico is when you're the mayor, you bring in new quote-unquote settlers. Um, and then if, you, if, you, if you're if you the mayor, you can also bring in a noble, and some buildings will give you additional points or different effects if you have a noble staffing it as opposed to a regular settler. <clears throat> so that's uh, Puerto Rico and... Um, that's a hard game. I just I still have not been able to really get my head around how to do well at that. I have um, never played it at all. I want to play it sometime just because it's a classic and I've never played it. Yeah, it's uh, 2002 is when it came out. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, I played some Hearts, which I'm also another game I'm not great at. Um, and that was just we were killing time waiting for the other group to wrap up their game. Uh, played, I don't know probably five or six hands of hearts or games of hearts. I um, remember playing the hell out of that on some iteration of windows. Yep. That's, I, I remember doing that too. I, I was it windows 3.1. No, that's that solitaire. I think it was newer than that. It was probably, probably came in 95 and 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I think solitaire was the big one for, um, mm-hmm. uh, for 
uh, uh, 3.1. I will say there are many laws on the books in states all across America over solitaire, uh, at, at least at the governmental level. I know, like, in Mississippi, there are laws on the books about playing games on, uh, like, on the job, quote-unquote, or, you know, ever, ever how it's worded. And it's all because of solitaire. When computers first made it into, like, the state government workforce, that became, like, a huge <laughs> problem was people were like, well, I don't have anything else to do. Let me fire this up and just play solitaire. Mm-hmm. So. Which reminds me, I never, ever learned how to play Minesweeper. I have no idea how it works, anything. I'll, you know, I, do, I would just click around Oh, it's randomly. easy. You just click on random boxes until yes. they blow up. until it blows up, yeah. yes. That, but I, <laughs> as I understand it, there's some rhyme or reason to it. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whatever it may be. There's a strategy. There's a way to win. I don't know. But anyway. So. I've never done well at it, but I've always enjoyed playing it. Now, see, you talking about um, Puerto Rico kind of makes me want to play it again. It, it It is my second oldest board game. I still have my original copy of mm-hmm. Catan, which unfortunately doesn't have the frame because it didn't come with that edition I got. So, like, you gently put all the little hexes together, and then, like, if you bump the table oh, or whatever, yeah. it, it comes apart. So, yep. yeah. And I think we my, uh, specifically picked up a frame. At Gen Con one year. Oh yeah, I would do that. Yeah, if I if I saw one, because uh, the kids like playing it. So anyway, so what's the King's mm. Guild? Uh, the King's Guild is a, and I'm not sure who the publisher is, but it's a, um, it's kind of a worker placement game. You're crafting items and going on quests, uh, and you're trying to amass. Um, well, so actually, I guess it's not worker placement. It's more like the game, um, uh, Splendor, where you're collecting tokens off of the board, and if you can have a certain combination of tokens, then you can turn it in, and like, okay, so I have, I have, uh, two cloth and a, a magic potion, and with that I can craft the cloak, and the cloak will give me a certain bit of victory points, <clears throat> and then... I'm collecting these quests, and I'm adding uh, rooms to my guild hall and making it a little bit bigger. So you're amassing victory points that way. You're recruiting um, uh, retainers to help you out. Uh, so that's the King's Guild, uh, which is available on Board Game Arena. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I've been playing actually quite a bit of bocce right now here lately. Of course not right Online? now. No, not at all. <laughs> yes, please, yeah, please tell me that there there would be it's a tabletop arena bocce. That would be cool. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, but uh, that's you know it's it's fun. It's uh, I don't know. It's time killer, I suppose. Now, see, so, uh, you we you've talked about playing it before, I think, uh, even like up in the last year, because there's been like several times I thought about picking up a set to like mm-hmm. play you know in the summer or whatever are you uh playing coob these days no i still have it my wife and i have talked about that like several times about like the meaning to do it meaning to do it meaning to do it and haven't got out to do it so yeah i guess i should wait until i play coob before i do bocce mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. just seems really really fun so bocce you can play on pretty much any flat surface that's maybe kind of grassy 
Uh, and so there's a smaller ball that's about the size of a cue ball. And you, uh, one player will throw that out, you know, as, however far as they want. They could throw it, you know, 15 feet away, or they could they could really put some stank on it and put it, <laughs> you know, 50 yards away. And then every, the the, the uh, balls are probably about seven inches around, and they're pretty heavy. And you uh, throw or lob or whatever, throw your ball to get it as close to the jack, the white ball. As you can, and then so there's four balls on a side, and whichever ball is closest to the jack, the little ball, can get from one to four points. <clears throat> and so, so that's uh, bocce. So it's just getting it close to this thing. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing too, is that it's uh, it's really what the lay of the land is at the end. So like, if you move, if you throw and hit the jack, and hit it closer to your balls then that'll uh you know that's a valid thing roy said balls <laughs> if i remember from last time yeah looking at the wikipedia entry which there's quite a few of bowling games uh one thing i was really interested in here was irish road bowling also called long bullets it, I don't know. It's just one of these crazy things that you can't believe in 2020 is still, you know, it's been around since the 17th century and it's still here, you know, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, apparently in popular culture, the song, and I'll link this in the show notes, Out the Road by Gaelic Storm is about a road bowling score. So, there you go. Road bowling. Yeah. Just, it's, I guess it's something like bocce. You just do it in the roads. But if it's Irish, you have to do it there. I don't know. So is Irish. that what the Beatles were singing about? Yes. Do it, why, why don't, don't we, we do, do it, it in the road? road? Yep. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, it's my turn. I'm actually doing something, have been doing something. And you guys mentioned, like, you know, you were really wanting, like, some face-to-face gaming and stuff like that. You guys are kind of getting tired of, you know, doing it over the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I especially, I'm especially getting a little tired of, um, you know, there's there's levels of it. There's playing live over the internet, which is better than playing play by email, but none of it's as good as face-to-face. Yeah, uh, I, I've been getting out, you know, I'm com- continuing on this streak I've been on and doing really well with it, going out once or twice a week and gaming or all else fails, just hanging out. And I feel bad. I feel guilty because, like, I have a friend of mine who um, he really, really loves board gaming and, you know, owns a shitload of them. And, you know, pre-COVID, he would play weekly at least. And uh, he has not gotten in a game since this whole damn thing started. And I feel so bad because I'm going out and playing. And the thing is, it's he doesn't want to. He doesn't feel like it's safe and, you know, whatever. With For me, um, I mean, we have rules that we have to follow uh, that the government, uh, the governor set and then the, the city set. And so we follow those. And that's, you know, that's what I do. And, uh, yeah. I, I just, I, had, I don't know. I maybe, yeah. I feel bad, but I, I enjoy going out and actually playing. I take it still serious and try to be careful and everything. Anyway, mm-hmm. 
all that to say, uh, this coming Saturday, we are having a Star Wars Legion tournament. And if you follow me on Twitter, um, I had a fr- my friend pulled me aside and was like, hey, buddy, um, why don't you meet me at the shop Saturday and bring everything you own, Legion, and let's see if we can't get you ready for the tournament uh, this weekend. So that's a bad sign. Like, you know, oh, you're terrible at this game. Uh, let's see what you need to buy in order to bump up your, you know, your chances. So um, I've got my list, which I'll post in the show notes. Have you guys taken a look at my uh, my list of stuff I'm bringing? Since you guys are yep. way way more knowledgeable. What no, you... I, I saw I saw you were looking to get some uh, some terrain, but I didn't see what your list was. Uh, it's, it's there. It's there in the show notes. You can uh, click on it. I exported it, and I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, you'll see. So he's got Jin three uh, troopers, fleet mm-hmm. troopers, no, veterans, th- three regular troopers. Uh, With the Z Z six, right? Yes, three three squads of regular troopers, uh, one squad of fleet troopers, one squad of veterans. And you know, oh, you got a T forty seven. Yes. But uh, what I what was actually mine that I had was Jen. I had two squads of troopers. Oh yeah, look, guys, I can't tell you how dumb I feel. How freaking dumb I feel. Because uh, I met my friend uh, like last Thursday to, to play, and we were going to play an 800-point game, and I showed up with two troop choices. Oh. Yeah. You, you need have, to have three? You have to have three. And I was like, um, I didn't know that, so I feel real dumb. Hmm. And, I think uh, you can play skirmish with two. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can, because the last tournament we did was skirmish, and that's what I did, and it was okay, and whatever. So I had to bump that up. So I'm borrowing a set of troopers from someone. While I was there last Saturday, I purchased fleet troopers because I had my ass shot off by them in the last tournament. They put out a lot of dice. They get I know it's Yeah, short, fleet troopers are nice. It's, I know it's short range and all, but it's like uh two white dice. <laughs> well, and it's especially in skirmish, the short range isn't as bad. Right. And uh, then I, because they had them on the shelf, uh, I got the fleet troopers and I bought the veterans, which they're not bad. I'm, I'm finally learning, like, what is, that, that was one of the questions I asked. In Legion, okay, what's the best dice? And he's like, red. What's the second best? It's black. And then the worst is white, you know, for this uh, offensive whatever. So mm-hmm. I got those, and if you give them that Mark II medium blaster trooper, it's a yep. stationary gun. So the whole squad can, like, go away. It can, like, go do something else and leave this thing there, and it becomes a separate unit, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. And Yeah, it, there are... There are a few other units like that in the game. I think the mortar troopers are like that, and there's some other ones as well. Really? The, okay. Yeah. I refer to the mortar trooper as the uh, what the ballistic toaster. Yeah. Okay, that's the shore troopers, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I faced them last time, and um, he had me bring a commando strike team, which it's it's expensive for what it is for two guys. You know, it's twenty points. And then we put a sniper rifle, you know, on it, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But they're 
if you use them the right way, they're pretty they're pretty good. The high velocity, so you can't use dodge tokens against them. They've got pierce, or they're, they're pretty good for for taking out leaders. And the other thing he made me buy was um, tauntauns. Tauntauns are my favorite. Yeah, apparently they're they are everybody's. They eat everyone's lunch, and that's all I knew about them. Is people complain about no, them? I, I still don't have any, but boy, how do yeah. you get fast? Make sure make sure you read the rules about the tauntauns too. Otherwise, you'll miss some some freebies that you get because they get like they get lots of extra tokens when they when they do stuff. So if you forget about it, you're not really taking advantage of them. Yeah, it's the, but you should also protect them because everybody knows how good they are and they're going to get focus fired on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then uh, I owned, and it actually is like really good. He's like, you know, if you can get two of these, it becomes really fun. And that's the T-47 speeder. Have you guys fielded that, the little uh, snow speeder thing? That was one of the first ones I ever did. And I think it was the first thing I ever painted too, but um, I don't use it anymore. I had Sometimes heard that they're not about that great. No, I, I I only played it early. I haven't actually played since they came out with like more pilots and stuff for it. But I well, think and they've repointed it a little bit too. Yeah, they made some changes to it. I haven't played with it since <clears> then. But my experience at the beginning was usually, and this, like I said, it was the very beginning when the game first came out, so there weren't that many units. But Darth Vader would usually just throw a lightsaber at it and shoot it down. Yeah, and now I know it's immune to blast, melee, and range one weapons. Although, you're right, he can throw the lightsaber. Now, what he had me uh, upgrade it with was, uh, see, oh, put a comms jammer on it. So he's like, what you want to do is literally drive this thing, you know, get the, get the, uh, the ground buzzer, and the and the comms uh, jammer and drive it down the enemy line, just blasting people out of both ends. And if you're you're in the middle of like three uh, different units there with the comms jammer, they can't issue them orders, which was I thought was really cool. Enemy enemy units at range one cannot be issued orders, and it's measured from the base of uh, the airspeeder. So okay. I'm like, cool, that sounds really, really fun. And so, yeah, I'm, I think I'm sitting at uh, 793 points. I'm actually going to try to stream this um, uh, thing. They, they, I have a mobile streaming thing I've been testing, and they want me to do it on one table at the tournament next Saturday. Oh, yeah, since this is an 800-point tournament, uh, they expect us to go like 12 hours Saturday from 10 till 10. Boy. But How many people are going to be there? 12. And the only reason why it's 12 is because we capped out with space. Yeah. So, yeah, they're like, next time um, we're going to, uh, I think, bump it up to 16. Because we had to turn people away. We had more people interested in playing than actually we had space for. So, anyway. So, I'm going to, I'll stream that at uh, it's Chance of Gaming, all one word, at Twitch. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to follow along or whatever, it will be there. Um, the other thing I've been doing, I grabbed a bunch of e-waste from uh, work, which is just electronic waste, computer pieces, parts. 
and for me, it's also like lights and whatever, and I'm going to try to kit bash some of this stuff into some Necromunda terrain because I thought it would mm. work really well. The only problem is all this stuff is metal, and I'm really concerned. I'm doing it on modular 2 by 2 bases, so I'll have like, you know, a, a whole thing on a 2 by 2 base. And I'll have a total of four of them. You put them all together, and it's this really nice play area. I just worry about them being really heavy, since mm-hmm. all of this is made out of metal. So, womp womp. so I know some electronic components, like capacitors, will have a charge to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Uh, so okay. I, I don't, I'm not pulling anything like that. Honestly, it's it's really interesting. I'm like pulling off like the front of computers, anything that has kind of like an industrial look, you know, that has that, uh, like a metal uh, crosswalk or, or whatever, you know, they have the little holes and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Anything that kind of looks like that is what I'm going for. Um, anything that could look like a hatch or a, uh, a drainage pipe or something like that um, is what I'm doing. Now, I'm having to actually go in and take them some of the stuff apart, which is a pain in the ass. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's going to look cool. But, yes, I'm, you don't... I'm afraid of the capa- of a capacitor. Okay. The uh, the platters out of a hard drive would, would look pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah, that would. A little difficult to get in there with that tiny screws, but, yeah, I may do that then. Hmm. But, yeah, it's we just pile this junk up, and we contract out to a service that does it. They'll do it for free, you know, because there is a tiny amount of, you know, precious metals in there. Mm -hmm. Silver, gold, you know, whatever in there. And they'll spend time getting that out because it's worth it to them. Copper, whatever. But, yeah. I think e-waste is a big big problem we have on planet Earth. But, you know, whatever. And the other thing I've been doing, I started streaming a bit lately. And I decided to fire up World of Warships. Uh, trying to look, because I'd heard they had uh, an anime crossover, and, uh, you know, so I went looking for, you know, that kind of thing, and just, yeah. It was very interesting. I actually really enjoyed the game, uh, the intro intro battles that I played. It's literally, you're just kind of driving around a Japanese ship from, like, World War One, and shooting at people and yeah it's basically like a first person shooter except you're like moving really slow and turn very yeah turn slow shoot slow everything so i'm gonna kind of keep doing that see how it goes and uh you know just streaming other stuff i do anyway so it says play for free but you can spend money to upgrade it oh yeah that's that's the thing i mean that's pretty much with everything nowadays Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's been a long time and maybe 10 years, I don't know, maybe longer. I used to play a little bit of World of Tanks, and it was the same way. It was it was, it was was pay to win. But honestly, if you don't care about being competitive, you can play the free stuff, and it's fun to just run out there with the tank and shoot stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I had a friend. But if you're competitive, you have to pay. Yeah, I had a friend that would, uh, that loved that game, and he would actually, it just blew my mind that he would spend real money for like uh high explosive or, or whatever the dif- some special rounds that you would shoot at people and uh yeah it, it, it costs real money i don't know i guess i really don't mind you know spending real money for cosmetic stuff although looking at that uh stuff the the anime stuff on there which comes from i thought it came from an anime because they've done that 
several times, but it comes from a mobile game called Azure Lane. Each captain, I think, is like 30, 30, 50 bucks, or you can spend 160 bucks um, and get all of them. And I'm like, wow, that that's like real money for that? Mm. That much money? Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, that's, I think that's about all I'm doing, and you can watch it, like I said, at Chance of Gaming, all one word, at Twitch. So, what have you been doing, Rich? So, the game that I've been playing the most is called Study for My PMP Certification. P and so, P? PMP, Project Management Professional. Okay, I was oh. going to say print, print and yeah. play. Yeah, it, it's not that fun of a game, but it's... He's it. studying to be a pimp. It's it's solitaire yeah, only, <laughs> and hopefully I've got another month or two of that before I can get back into it. So, But it's been a nice little distraction because, like I said, um, I still am playing some games online, but it's just, you know, it's, it's starting to starting to wear thin, I guess, to, to some degree. I am playing some stuff. Um, but in the last few days, so I've got two daughters that still live with me. One is married and moved out. Um, but one is going back to college in a couple weeks and the other one, her birthday is actually tomorrow. So they've been picking all the games lately because Mm. we've just kind of let them do what they wanted. So, um, we played some Corkle. Have you guys ever played that before? Oh yeah. I enjoy Corkle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really fun game. I, I like it quite a bit. It's, it's quick and it's, um, you know, some of the games that that they want to play are just sort of mind numbing, but this one, as long as, as long as you don't play it too many times in a row, I, I enjoy it. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a game. It's got different colors and symbols, and you have to line them up to get points. And you get double points if you get six in a row. But you can either make a row of symbols or a row of colors, and you can never mix the two. So it has to be one symbol of every color or. Uh, the entire or the entire row has to be the same color. So, um, but yeah, it's a fun game. It's you know not very complicated. You can pick it up quickly. It's a great family game, especially like you know if you are looking for a game to take to Thanksgiving or something, people can literally learn the game in two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we, we played some code names, which they really love, and uh, Telestrations, which is another game. So that is one that. I told them, I said, I will play it once with you, and then that's that's all I can stand of that game. <laughs> Telestrations? So, so yeah, it's, I've heard of it. Have you ever you ever you ever heard of the game? And it's not a board game, Adam, but telephone, where you like whisper something yeah, in someone's yeah. ear, and then okay. So Telestrations, it's actually a fun game the first time you play it, um, but it sort of wears on me quickly. So everyone has a little flip book with whiteboard pages on it. And you get a word from a card, a word or a phrase. So like popcorn or, you know, tip through the tulips or something like that. And you just, you write it down, depending on whether you have an even or odd number of people, you either write it down and pass it, or you actually sketch that word. And then the next, you pass your book to the next person, and they took, if you wrote something, they took what you wrote and they sketch it. Or if you sketch something, they look at your sketch and they guess what it is that you just sketched. But you never get to see the historical stuff until it makes it all the way around the table, and then everybody just kind of flips their books and said, oh, this is what I wrote, and this is what that person drew, and you go through it, and it's, <laughs> and it's silly, and it's fun once. 
but it wears on me quickly. So, so I told him, I was like, all right, I'll play with you one time, but I can only do this one time. Hmm. And then actually just today I played a game with my 10 year old called Cranium Cadu, uh, which is, we only played it two player because there were only two of us here. I can see it would actually be more fun with multiple players, but basically you just, you roll a die and you either get like a solo challenge or a group challenge. And the solo challenge are all, I mean, honestly, between the two of us, we played two games of it. It took a total of half an hour. Neither of us ever missed a single challenge because they're all super easy. But the group challenges are a little more fun. We have to like act something out or sculpt something in clay or draw something and everyone else has to guess it. And if you do a group challenge, then you both get a point basically. And if you do a solo challenge, only you get the point. So, um, but with two people, obviously you both get in group challenge. So it's anyway, it's, it's a, it's a very simple game and I just played it because tomorrow's her birthday and she got to pick. So now I see down in the forums there uh, on Uh board game geek, there's the thread, Cranium Kadoo board games are called due to violation of lead. <laughs> really? <laughs> the surface so, paint on the die contains excessive levels of lead. Huh. But that's, well, so that's from 2008, so I'm sure that it's... Uh, yeah, we've this game is newer than that for us <laughs> okay. anyway, so I'm trying All to right. see, think of, I mean, I'm sure we got it definitely since 2008, and obviously we rolled that die a bunch of times today, but... Um, I don't know. I don't remember. I think it was plastic with paint on it, so who knows. Oh, all right. Okay, so I guess <laughs> this, this is my last show. There. It was nice knowing you guys. <laughs> I thought it would be COVID, but I guess it's lead paint. Well, I guess, I guess Roy, I as long as you shouldn't have taken that challenge where I try to suck all the paint off the die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was say, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then going back to online gaming, we finally finished up our game of Empire of the Sun. We had some technical problems. One week the Vassal server crashed, and then I had internet problems one week, but we finally finished our game um, and got to the 12th turn. And I was, eh, I mean, I guess you could call it winning as the Americans. I had completely surrounded Japan. He had no no air units left on the board at all, but uh, I couldn't close the deal by the end of turn 12. So I lost the game. I learned a lot. We missed a lot of rules. I enjoy the game quite a bit. Um, I definitely want to play it some more. It's definitely has some, there are some intricacies in the rules that make it hard to not miss anything. But it's one of those games that's, I think competitive players really like it a lot um, because it's, it's, uh, it, it is well balanced. Like if you get two really good players, then they're both going to, their skill is going to show through. But in this particular game that I was playing, neither of us were very good and we we're both learning it, but it was still fun. And that's I will say that, yeah, that's a GMT okay. game, and I will say that game's probably got the best Vassal module I've ever seen. It's just, it's so good, and I even know, sort of know online the person that did it, I gave him a couple suggestions for improvements just as we were playing it, but one of the things about Empire of the Sun is all of your air units, whether it's a carrier or a land-based unit or whatever, they all have sort of a zone of influence that protects the units around them, disrupts the enemy supply lines and all that stuff. Um, And in the Vassal module, you can just click a button to see where all of those zones are. And it makes the game so much easier to to follow. So great Vassal module. That's actually one that I think I probably do prefer playing online. All right. 
So, um, yeah, we didn't, let's see. We, nobody had a COVID test, have we? No, I don't think so. Nope, no COVID test for me. Uh, we'll, we'll lead with that if, should that happen. And uh, <laughs> we do have a sponsor, Mike at UltraDementia.com. Now, I know, like, for the next Legion tournament, we want more, we need more terrain. And uh, it's, the main holdup is the guy running it wants it specifically to look Star Wars. So he's got, he'll do a Hoth table, he'll do an indoor table, a desert, you know, whatever. But he's spent a lot of time and money printing, 3D printing terrain from SDL files that had that Star Wars look. And I was like, well, I got a guy. Got Mike over here at alterdimension.com, and I know he's doing miniatures, he's doing modular, modular terrain, and he will print anything you've got that has an STL file. And you can see that link in the show notes. And remember to use your discount code of COG2019. So there you go. I was looking to hit that modular terrain earlier. I think it's really neat. Um, I guess Roy maybe updated it or something. I don't know, but it's to me it looks like Dwarven Forge stuff, only actual re- reasonable price. Yeah, I like I, I like the uh, Dark Realm stuff, and uh, it looks really neat. I know we need some bolt action terrain um, too, and I was kind of going through here and looking to see what I can do. Um, but I actually, what I want for myself is that uh, Dragon Bite Community Creator Famine 20. Inspired by the ship from Steve Newton's Children of the Fallen Sun. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, the thing for Mil- Mutant, Crawl, Mutant Crawl Classics. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. I just dig it because it's like freaking two feet long and just mm. kind of an interesting uh, piece of terrain. So. That's designed for micro dungeon. So if I have like a bunch of little bitty guys going through, which reminds me, I do want to um, eventually hunt up some 15 millimeter Star Wars stuff and see about doing a game of Legion at that scale. You know, just do centimeters instead of uh, inches and just see how it goes. Oh, interesting. Just not play it on like a. Don't play it on like four by four. You would have to do it on like two by two or something. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there are no transports in Legion that I know of, so, uh, or not yet, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, you just have to kind of scale it down that way. Anyway, on to what's on your radar, and this next this next announcement was born <laughs> for what's on your radar. I actually chortled to myself putting it on here. So, on the first thing we have on what's on your radar, there is a new version of Harpoon. There is. And, uh, you know, Rich, this seems kind of up your alley a little bit, it, just in the sense of it's modern naval, it's uh, it's complicated, and, you know, whatnot. I'm just going to see if you were familiar with it at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been looking into this. In fact, I put the link on there for the uh, the free jumpstart, if anyone is listed is interested in it. I already downloaded the jumpstart to it. Um, I started reading it, but like I said, I've been studying for this exam, so I haven't really gotten too far into it. Um, but yes, I, I've even gone so far as to start looking at the prices of some minis and, and there's some stuff out there that's not very expensive at all. So, um, you know, some other naval games we've talked about, like that, the warlord games, the ones that, 
uh, have come out, Cruel Seas, and I can't remember the name of the one that's coming out, but those are more expensive with more detailed minis. But if you're just interested in, in the rules and like some cheaper minis, Harpoon might be the way to go. But yeah, I'm definitely interested and I'm looking at it. Now, I was going to say on here on uh, Wargame Vault, there are several different companies that make counters for this. So you could. Yeah, you could do counters too. I, you see, I think sure. that that's where I would be at is, is doing counters. Because I worry about like <clears throat> the size of the fleet, you know, I would have to play. I. My the mini the minis I was looking at though they're like you know one to two inches long and they're a couple bucks each. Okay. So I mean you could you could you could buy a whole game's worth for fifty bucks or something. Do you know who made them? Offhand. Uh, I'll get you the link. I don't remember offhand. I was I was just googling some stuff and found a few. I think if you like just Google harpoon Na- miniatures or naval, modern naval warfare miniatures. <laughs> I think I googled like modern naval warfare miniatures and found some stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm familiar with this game because a thousand years ago, uh, when I was in high school, a friend of mine had the computer version of this game on his 286. Yeah, this is like one of the first big computer games, computer war games, I should say. Yeah, and he really liked it. And, you know, just watching him play, I was, I, I was like, it was so far beyond me, like, just what was going on. And like, what are you doing? And he's, you know, I'm just like, I'm firing chaff, you know, here to stop this exoset <laughs> missile from whatever. And I'm like, uh, what? Now, I will say, I I followed along since the uh, the release of Harpoon Five, and it's print and play for the most part. Which I mean, you get a PDF, and you can actually get a print copy through War Game Vault, and there's been yeah. So, yeah, they'll publish them for you if you want. I, If you go to, is it the Admiralty Group that publishes it? You might be able to get a bound copy there. I'm not sure. I just, I found the link on, on Wargame Vault. So. Yeah, it's Admir, Admir, Admiralty. Admiralty Group. Admiralty Trilogy yeah. Group. Is yeah, what it that's is. it. Because I think uh, the only other time I'd heard of them was um, the guy from History on the Table, wants one of their World War II rule sets that they do over there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him talking about it. I'm like, what? What is this? I've never heard of this. And I go over there, and I'm like, oh, okay. Now, I've seen some grousing on, like, what you need if you want the whole kit and caboodle for Harpoon 5. It's really expensive. Although, by really expensive, I think it's like 200 bucks or less. Yeah, which, which yeah, is you buy nothing, every supplement they have. Which is nothing in Games Workshop money, you know. That's like literally the the current edition of 40K, you know. That's Here's just the nothing. thing, though. If I, yeah, I mean, I guess I get that, but okay. The base game, the rule book, is 20 bucks. Yes, so it's hard. Buy the base game. If you like it, then buy the Russian Navy for another 16. Buy America's Navy for another 16. Buy what you want. I mean... If you're at the point where you need every single thing that came out for this game, then obviously you're in love with the game and you're not going to mind spending the money. Yes. Nobody's going to go out and spend, well, I say no one, someone will. Someone's going to go out and spend 200 bucks and go, <laughs> why did I spend this? I don't like this game. And you're stupid if you did that. Uh, this game is also... I get the jump start for free. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've thought about having, uh, was it Larry, uh, what's his name? 
Larry Bond. Bond. I was gonna say Brom, but that's I think he's <laughs> I think he's an artist, right? That does fantasy artist. I don't know. I don't yeah. know who Larry Brom is. Just positive he does D and D artwork. Anyway, Larry Bond on to talk about it after seeing a couple of other uh, podcast interviewing about this. Um, let's see, I will say let's randomly click on Mediterranean fleets. So if I want that, I can get a PDF for fourteen bucks. I can get it soft cover, black and white for eighteen dollars and eleven cents, or I can get both of those things for twenty five dollars and eleven cents. So plus shipping. So time. yes, that that Forbes article says that Larry Bond was a uh, an associate of Dave Arneson from D and D. Really? Yeah. So Guy Jackson Arneson. Hmm. Yeah. So he uh, and Arneson's company published the first two editions of Harpoon. And it says, upcoming author Tom Clancy bought a copy of Harpoon <laughs> and began corresponding with Larry Bond. Oh, yeah. All right. And he used it to uh, do Hunt for Red October, Red Storm Rising. Red Storm Rising was based on scenarios tested out playing Harpoon. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, ju- I just read that book again in the last year of Red Storm Rising. It's pretty good. I know... Uh, like, apparently in just my little research that I've done with it, you can play the game like it would be like Richard versus Roy, and I would be the referee. It would be kind of like a double blind sort of thing, because it's like you don't see the enemy unit until you try to do some things and, you know, whatnot. And so it's not like it's not like Legion, where you have that bird's eye view where you see everything and you can maneuver stuff. So it's kind of done like that way. Just kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's the trick about naval warfare games in general, unless you're talking about like a small scale engagement where the two sides have already met. Um, I mean, most of, of naval combat is trying to find the other guy. And if you can find him before he finds you, you know, you are at a serious, serious advantage. So games like Harpoon and Flat Top, and um, I haven't played Blue Water Navy, but I think it's kind of the same thing. Where I mean, that's that's the whole deal is can you find them? And World of Warships, you know, you have anime captain girls that are there <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, totally. But that is, you're you're right. It's I sail away. World of Warships. Now that I mean, that's a serious serious simulation. Yes, it is. Only the most hardcore yes. players. You, yeah. should, you should see the size of the yeah. uh, rule book for it. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, the uh, your pimp test that you're studying for, does it have a bigger rule book than ASL? Uh, actually, yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. I that... think the, uh, the the PMBOK, which is the Project Management Body of Knowledge, is about 950 pages. Oh, okay. Serious stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I, I like that there's just a absolute ton of stuff with Harpoon. This would definitely be something that I would jump into with both feet if I knew someone that would make the jump with me, that kind of thing. So, you know. Well, let's I, do it, man. Let's do it. How do we I mean, pl- like I said, let's figure it out. You, I mean, we're not gonna, we don't have to discuss it here while we're recording. But let's No, no, we have to I figure mean, it out right now, Richard. <laughs> Roy, just hang, hang on, Roy. We're, we're going to figure this out. Just go make a sandwich or something now. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> we'll do a tabletop simulator or something because, um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in it. And, I mean, I like you said, I, I'm pretty sure Matt is interested in it from History on the Table. 
Um, I'm pretty sure Mitch already bought everything for it. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's. All right. So, so and no, I'm not. I'm not talking about Mitch when I say you bought everything you didn't like it. You're stupid. That's no. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Let's let's play. Let's figure right, it out. Well, I'll I'll also reach out uh, reach out to uh, not Larry Brom, Larry Bond, and uh, and Tom Clancy yeah, too. Great. But I'll need a Ouija yeah, board for he, that. He is dead, right? That was a joke. Yes, he's dead. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah. sorry. Maybe it's too soon. I don't know. Anyway, the next, <laughs> the next thing we have. Breaking news. Yes. Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy dead in like 2005 or whatever. Uh the next thing we had was uh, it was just cute and it was just very Japanese thing. Uh, and I, I'm I see a lot of their the way they do war games and stuff because uh, my close personal friend Jack Green that lives in Vicksburg, Mississippi, imports a lot of these and sells them through uh, Quarter Deck International. Anyway, uh, this company over there released a little magazine called How to Enjoy Wargaming. And it's uh, it was designed to get young people into the hobby. And it actually comes with a free copy of a Battle of the Bulls game. But it was just funny to me because they use like you know anime girls like playing the the game to just do it. It was just kind of just cute and whatever. And so yeah, I, I'm just gonna toss it in here and see what you thought. What I think would be great would be if like that was like an exclusive game done by a, a big designer, and this was the only way you could get it. Just funny. <laughs> Would be that way. This is Volko's new game. Yes, it is only available in Japanese. You, you, you have to do a fan translated rule book. It'd be fantastic. You know, you can find somebody that would do that uh, if the money was right. Which reminds me, sometimes I question the things I tweet right after I tweeted them, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> I, I know it's just crazy, right? And who who would think I did that? But uh, did you see the thing where somebody? mentioned uh it was sort of a funny news thing on twitter uh it was at a clothing optional beach in germany a boar stole this guy's laptop yeah oh, I, I, saw that. See, I saw that on reddit yeah yeah so anyway and somebody was like hey look you know we somebody should gamify this and i and i i, I think i retweeted it or commented on it or something i was like well i would definitely say it's niche enough that holland spiel would publish it and but we need a big designer. I wonder if you know Mark Herman's available. Anyway, Hollisfield ended up retweeting it. You know, so I'm just glad they thought it was funny. But when I press send, I'm I'm like, oh, maybe they don't want a naked didn't, uh, German. Didn't guy. Mark Herman already do? He did Ribbit for Hollisfield, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so if he comes out with like naked German guy chasing a board game, and I don't get credit for it, I'm going to be mad. Like, it'll be like the next thing. The next thing coming soon from Hollinsville is, <laughs> you know. He, it'll be, he'll change it, though. It'll be a French guy and a bobcat. Was, you, you chase him and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. It's a completely different game. That, that feels like a very different game. Completely. completely Naked different. German guy chasing a boar and a French guy chasing a bobcat. Yes. Completely different game. So. Uh, the next thing we had, uh, I didn't know this. I mean, there's a new... I knew there was a new version of Infinity coming out uh, through Corvus Belly, and um, I had no idea that they contract out to this company called Luxumbra to do like really cool statues of their miniatures, 
And what I'm going to post in the show notes is my favorite miniature from Infinity they did is Equip Mirage. And uh, what you see is Sergeant Duroc, who's the big werewolf-looking guy. He's an anapode who uh, is... It's odd. It's like the planet they're on, the humans have settled. If you get bitten, if you're pregnant and you get bitten by this particular life form, uh, you'll give birth to dog soldiers, is what they're called. They are... Uh, at, they're, they're born as human, but eventually they turn into these big, giant werewolf things. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, so... Obviously, it's it's a trope on kind of like Red Riding Hood with uh, Margot there, and yeah, I just dig it because he's the only one that will uh, parachute in because all the other ones are scared to get on a plane. So anyway. Oh yeah, I, I think you told us that before. I remember that. Yeah, it's just a really cool. Parachuting. I love the artwork. I know this art where they got this miniature from. I love the artwork that it's based on, and uh, I'll be getting one of these. Although it is ninety nine so, euros. So the, the the scenic base that's basically a display case. Yeah. But this mini in the picture is this something you would play with? No, it's just for oh, okay. just for funsies. You, okay. You get a little bit of that uh, with some other games, not with Games Workshop, I would say yet, but definitely for like uh, War Machine, uh, Malifaux, and whatnot. They'll do like busts of characters and stuff. And they don't come paint it. It's like you get it and you have to paint it and, you know, make it look good. But it will be like a character that you really like or whatever. I've never been interested in them until this one. And apparently 99 euros is $116 American. So maybe I'll wait for a Black Friday sale or something. We'll see. And um, the next thing, uh, somebody sent this to me and I just thought it was funny that... Uh, and they were like, it had the caption like, Reaper Miniatures is back, you know, and they're they're making naked ladies again. And whoever, yes, this is a Rubenesque uh, miniature called uh, Bella. She's a succubus. Um, she was sculpted by Patrick Heath, whoever that guy is. And um, yeah, it'll be linked in, the, linked in the show notes. This is a 28 millimeter figure. And I thought it was funny because... Uh, <laughs> There's all Lieutenant these Dan, she ain't got no clothes on. I know. <laughs> There's uh there's all these keywords that you can click on next to it. Like, okay, um this is let's see, oh. female demon naked. That there's a one. So what if I click on naked? What pops up? And it's literally like the first thing is like a oh. hippo and then a camel. And so it's like, okay, technically I guess that's correct. That camel is naked. And uh the Carleon Shark Warrior, which appears to be a shark with sharks for hands. Am I seeing that? No. <laughs> uh, he's also naked. Again, technically correct. And so, um, yeah, so that's no good. So what if I want to click on adult? I click so on that, adult. So that, sh that shark is not safe for work because he has no clothes on. Yes. I click mm -hmm. on adult, and you would think like adult as in adult naughty things. But no, it just means adults. So, like, the first thing is a female barbarian, but she's wearing clothes, and then, you know, so anyway. So that didn't work either. So what if I click on curvy? What What is curvy? And it's literally three <laughs> different things, and that's where there there's another naked lady, the succubus temptress, Allura. 
And she's six dollars and ninety nine cents. And so Bella is six forty nine. Why didn't one of those should be six dollars and sixty six cents? I feel like they missed something there. <laughs> they, they could have done. Agreed. So yeah. So yeah, Reaper Miniatures. I think they're probably the last kind of like mainstream company that's like doing like naked stuff. Uh, Games Workshop used to do it like way back in the day, and then they kind of brought it back in the early 2000s with a couple of units, but they've completely like shied away from that now. In what's I, the uh, what's the the is it Slanesh? Is yes, the, is yeah, the yeah. creepy sex chaos guy? Yeah, I've seen some some that's naked things there. Yes, yeah, that's uh, it's well, it's a it's one of the gods of chaos. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, it's that because the uh, the Daemonettes were top were topless. I think there were two iterations of those, and that was kind of the thing. And uh, they've changed it a lot lately. I think uh, because they wanted to be more inclusive. It's like, well, you know, I, we want ladies to play this game, and you know, so we're gonna. There are no naked dudes, so why should we make naked ladies? So yeah, so that makes sense. Anyway, uh, the next thing we had, I just found out today. Thought it was like really neat. Um, I don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Christine Catherine Rush, R U S C H. She writes a series of books called uh, The Diving Universe, and uh, I think I read the first one last year, and I really dug it. Basically, the premise is, uh, it's like diving you know kind of like you're diving into a shipwreck only it's in space so it's like all you know various you know ships and stuff and there's always like something some kind of conspiracy or whatever going on the main character is a nice lady named boss and uh i just thought it was really cool and catalyst game labs is coming out with a game based on this called diving into the wreck and so i was going to toss this on here because i enjoyed the first book and it inspired me to spend an audible credit on the second book. And I'll read that and just so as I've done. And apparently there's a Kickstarter up now for her latest book. And you can buy this game, which isn't made yet. Uh, this, In fact, everything you see of it, you see in the show notes, will be a uh, just kind of mock-ups. Uh, but you can get it for like 10 bucks as a Kickstarter add-on. So I really, you know, dug that first book. I highly recommend you at least read it and see if you like it. I think you can get it for free uh, through either like through her website or through um, Tor Publishing. If I remember correctly, it's something linked off. It's linked in the Kickstarter, which I'll have in the show, uh, the show notes. And it says something like uh, click here. If you're interested in this, click over here and, uh, you know, take it out and read it. So you guys haven't heard ever this one? No. no, no, I don't know anything about that one, but I, I did on your recommendation. My wife and I started listening to uh, Promise of Blood, which is pretty good so far. Oh yeah, I fi- just finished that. We were which... talking about that one, yeah. Yeah, the Powder Mace Promise... trilogy. I really liked yeah. it. Of course, I've only I've only read the first one, but I really dug it. The yeah, whole... a lot of these games, like I mean, this one, diving the diving universe, I don't know about, but um, the Powder Mage, and then I think of like Mistborn which I think has some games out about it. But, I mean, these authors have really completed, created these really complex worlds, and it just doesn't surprise me at all that people want to play an RPG in those worlds because 
especially if you've read all the books and you know the world, you know the universe, then, you know, the setting is done for you. Everything else after that is just, you know, figure out how to adjudicate the rules. Hmm. I see that Promise of Blood is available as an audiobook from my local library, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's what we did. We got it on Hoopla and we're listening to it. Okay, yeah. I will get that as well. And the next thing I had... Oh, yeah, I had to toss this on here, the last thing we have on What's On Our Radar, uh, because these are my local guys. Not They do absolutely don't need my help in missioning here, but I will anyway, because they're local and I like them. Uh, Certifiable Studios has launched a Kickstarter for Endangered House of Wrath. This is Endangered Orphans House of Wrath. Uh, I... I'm afraid I don't know much about their Endangered Orphans thing, if it was like another game or it was just one of them's ideas. Because it, it is odd uh, to me. If you ever go to their uh, uh, place of business, their building, walking down the halls, it's like there's just all this artwork for different stuff just up on the wall. And I'm like, hey, is this for a game? You know, a new game coming out, and they're like, nah, not yet. It's something, you know, he just drew up over a weekend or whatever, and we think everybody seems to like it. Maybe we'll do something with it in the future. So I'm not sure what the history behind the orphans are. But anyway, this game, this thing launched today uh, with a... They wanted a measly four grand. As of we record this, they've raised $44,000. They have 29 days to go. This will probably be another million-dollar Kickstarter, which hmm. I think will be their third or fourth one. So, you know, there you go. Let's see. What is the base we can get? Uh, yeah, looks like 30 bucks, which is it is good because a lot of these games have miniatures that drive up the price, and this one has got one token kind of for the bad guy, but everything else is just looks like... No cardboard tokens. Yeah, it's uh, just 30 bucks, you know, and yeah. you get all the stretch goals, which, I mean, I don't know. If you were asking for four grand and you got ten times that on the first day, what kind of freaking stretch goals would you have? Okay, I want to point out that there's the pledge US $97 or more. The what do I get for $97 level? You'll take what we give you. One backer will get something for pledging 97 bucks. Just that person. Oh, it's all gone. Yeah, it's yeah. all gone. It was for one thing. That's so, it, okay. I think they. I think that person gets to play with Adam, right? Ah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that is funny. I gotta say that's original. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything like that yet. What do I get for ninety-seven dollars? Whatever we give you. Huh. <laughs> it would be funny. Like you know, put like a bag of Skittles and some Pringles in there that were opened. Like that's what you get. Ha <laughs> ha. No. Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, like I said, my friend does PR for them. I want to talk to him about that. Like, look, okay, okay. You've got to do something insane because we really get a kick out of it on the podcast for your next Kickstarter. Please do something like back it at the $1,000 level and, you know, you get to come here and have a barbecue and play games with us or whatever, but you have to find your own way. We'll kill your parents and make you an orphan. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll make you. We'll make you for a thousand dollars. We'll make you an orphan and just leave it like that. Hadgummit, Reese, that's good. I'm gonna send that to him. Like you're totally missing out on a stretch. Yeah, they'll be goal. like, wait, 
Do I get a token in the game, or are they threatening my parents? It just says, we will make you an orphan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the only answer to that is yes. All right, on to news. And since you come to Chance of Gaming for gossip, the first thing we have is, can someone please bring me up to speed as to why Board Game Twitter world is up in arms about Stonemeyer Games? You see this at all, Rich? Seems like every, it seems like every time he releases a game, people get up in arms about it. But yeah, it must be a day that ends in Y. I saw yeah. this happen in real time. But um, essentially what it is, is he has a new game coming out, and he sent out promo copies to some people, review copies to some people. And he happened to see an exchange between two people who had review copies. One of them was like, you know, hey, this is what I think. You know, this mechanic, blah, blah, blah. And another one that commented like, oh, yeah, well, our review's coming, and it'll be out, you know, such and such. He decided to chime in and go like, well, kind of like, what are you waiting on? Because the embargo's lifted. It'd be super cool if you could go ahead and post it since people are, you know, are looking at ordering and blah, 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 and whatever. So... Board Game Twitter kind of took that as being extremely tacky and kind of ran with it. Well, okay, so another twist on this is the one of the people that he sent a review copy to or the people that, that had yet to uh, review it was Our Family Plays Games, which, if you're aware, that is a, a, a family of color. And so people were saying that maybe he was – being a little bit racist, but not really. Because he did send them something, or because he did Because he sent them a review copy, and yes. he called them out and said, hey, why haven't you posted uh, your review yet? Yeah, I mean, the way I saw it, I mean, like I said, I saw it happen live. I think it was just he happened to see these two people interact and just mm. said something. I don't think, like, you know, he kind of went over some other people and then was like, well, you know, I can't say anything about them. Who can I talk about? Oh, I'm going to talk to this, you know, about this one. It just seemed like it just was very happenstance to me. I don't think there was just, and of course, I mean, what do I count? But whatever. I don't think there was any kind of uh, maliciousness or or whatever there. Well, and as I recall, another part of that too is that he said, well, I only have so many review copies to send out. And, you know, I'm sending out review copies so that I can build press about it. Yes, yes. And if I send you a review copy, that's one that I don't have to send to somebody who will review it in a timely manner. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. And holy shit, it's, I, I am so glad I have become woke to the fact that I don't want review copies. No, please don't. Do not. I don't want them. I will happily give away a copy of a game. You know, because I think that that helps you out, that helps me out. But I don't want a review copy because I feel I feel like I won't do a good job. I feel like I won't do it on time. I mean, I, there's still a couple of things that we you know need to review that we haven't, and I feel fucking terrible about that. And yeah, um, I think it it might be different for you too because you're not monetizing this podcast. I don't know anything about our family plays games, but. There are obviously a lot of reviewers and YouTube channels and everything where you know they're making significant amount of money off their game, and to some extent, what they're doing is a job. It's not the mm-hmm. case for what you're doing here. Uh, that is true. 
You, you saying Tom Vassell's making a little money, making a little bit of coin? Think so? I think he might be making okay, a little bit of money. He's probably he's probably in he... the black. We'll leave it at that. He's he's probably just in the black. He's gonna buy all those suits. Uh, so um, yeah, and so uh, I don't know this whole thing, but I will say that is a huge draw. Like if you wake up tomorrow and you want to do a podcast, you're like, yeah, I could do this. I love talking about it. Whatever. It's like, oh man, I get free stuff. I get free games. But the reality of it is, most companies are small. Most companies don't have a lot of them to give out. And man, I'll, I'll tell you from like a personal perspective, I, I have a couple of friends that are publishers and they're very, very small and um, they've never come to me for help, but I have volunteered myself like, you know, when they were looking to get the word out about their game and they're like, oh, you know, I never, ever do this. I never do this. But I'm really I, I'm going to do a, uh, a review copy of this. Who should I send it to? You know, and I'm, or they would be in a situation with like, well, you know, I, I, I can send them a copy of the game, but I really need to get it back. You know, uh, that was one thing that I did. I was willing to send my copy of the game that I bought from my friend to a reviewer to review. I would pay to send it to them and I would pay to have them send it back to me. And they weren't interested in doing it. And that annoyed the piss out of me. It's like, look, nobody else is talking about this game. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how else to compensate you for it. You know, it's it's a really expensive game. So I think the retail on it was, you know, eighty nine ninety nine, And it's a boutique game. So it's not at Miniature Market or anything like that. It's just through that particular company. And I could not... I had a ton of people very interested in getting a copy. But when I said, like, can you send it back to me? I'll pay for it, you know, to do it. Uh, they weren't interested. So, eh, kind of annoys me uh, just a little bit. And maybe they're in the right. Maybe they are. Maybe nobody wants that kind of deal. But I don't know. I don't really see how other stuff could get to get out there. And, look, I have uh, another one. Uh, I bought a, a round of Jack Green games uh, from Quarterdeck International. And his latest one, Bear Flag Republic... I've reached out to a couple of guys that said, I'll send you a copy. You can keep it. You know, I'm, I'm out of pocket, you know, the uh, $59, whatever it was to buy it. I'll send it to you. You review it. And nobody's interested. So I don't get that. I don't get it. And these are bigger, bigger pod, bigger wargaming podcasts that I've reached out to and uh, asked them to do it. And I just get no response back. So I don't know, man. I don't know, but I'm just glad I don't do it. I'm glad I'm not going, hey, GMT, give me that game, and I'll review it. And then I just don't review it, and, you know, Roger is knocking on my door at, like, you know, 5 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. It's like, where's my review, motherfucker? I'm, I'm just glad I'm not part of that. I want that. I'm scared. Roger might get me. He'll draw a silly caricature of me as a centaur. It would be terrible. And Yeah, so. Anyway, so uh, what do we have next? I got lost because I was talking. Um, oh, Hot yeah. Dangerous. Yes. A friend of mine sent me, he started just sending me pictures of the actual artwork in this. And I'm like, what is this? And, and then it, 
he finally sent me the uh, Kickstarter. This is Hot and Dangerous 2, funded in four hours. They wanted a measly ten grand. As of this podcast, they're up to almost $30,000. They have six days left to go. And basically, it's just... Uh, it's, it's sexy warrior women, but I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's... Ridic- they're not skimp- skimply dressed. Though. Yes, it's not ridiculous. You know, where they're just, you know, wearing a bikini and have a machine gun or whatever. It's just kind of just a female version of it. Because, I mean, like the Conquistador. A lot of the minis are pretty cool. I mean, if, you, if you're playing a female RPG character or something, you're looking for a female mini, they're interesting minis. Mm-hmm. They're uh, not wearing shade male bikinis or anything like that, so... No, they're literally wearing... And, what... and most of the minis look more reasonable than the artwork that goes with them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, that's very true. Uh, I mean, basically, they are wearing what their male counterpart would be wearing. Like, you have Astrid from the Swedish inf- Infantry. It says, Astrid is tired of political correctness. Everyone expect everyone expect niceties, kindness, and friendliness from her. She can't cheat the blood of her Viking ancestors, though, and sometimes needs a solid brawl to feel happy. Okay, I don't know what language that was translated from, but okay. Yeah. So, if you look at I mean, if I was the... more into painting minis, I would... I'd be interested in buying these just to buy them because the minis are really good. They are. So if you look at uh, if you click the season first season link, there's uh, there's some other ones there too. Um, this is from an old Kickstarter, um, and there's some there's some great uh, figures in there. Um, Olenka the Winged Hussar. So she's kind of a Viking, I guess. Hussars would be Polish cavalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's like my favorite. I'm sorry, I got lost and I was looking at the stretch goals. There's some other stuff. Where is the? Oh, okay, I see it. First season. We'll have this link to the show notes, of course. Uh, looks like they improved their artwork. I will say, uh, mm-hmm. from the from the first one to the second one. It's a lot better than the second one. Yeah, that winged hussar is actually pretty cool. Maxima the Centurion with a bust of uh, Julius Caesar. That she's holding. Huh. Uh, yeah, and you're absolutely right, Richard. The artwork is a lot more boob oriented, but the figures aren't. <laughs> they look more. They look normal, and uh, yeah. So let's see. I, you could. I would get these in 28 millimeter, and I, I was interested in these because I would actually use these for various things. Uh, let's see. The ones definitely. Uh, Alexandra of Macedon, and um, Dayara the Immortal. That's the I'm a, oh, it's not that's a Persian, not Spartan, but both of those are good for ancients. Uh, Emma the Desert Rat, perfect for bolt action. Um, also Gina the Belisagri, and uh, Francesca the Conquistador. I like the figure, but don't have anything I can think of offhand. Same with the uh, the Aztec warrior. Now, Astrid the S- with Swedish infantry, yes, that will fit with my pike and shot stuff. Uh, Natasha the Russian grenadier. I don't know if that's Napoleonic or what, or where that is. If that's like Seven Years' War or something, I could use that. Speaking of Napoleonic, absolutely, we'll use Celine, the old guard grenadier. 
whose boobs look way different in the artwork versus the figure. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and these are really good sculpts. Also, same with Fiona from the 42nd Highlanders. I'd take that one. And like you go down to stretch goals, Greta the Landsneck is awesome. That is an awesome figure. Um, I don't. I've been eyeing the Warlord Army box for the Lancets. Sets, everybody say it. Oh, and um, the next one is Al. Al, wait. Apollonia. Yes, since Prince was on Apollonia. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, she's Polish infantry. I think World War Two. I like it. I would use that. Ah, the Warrior Monk. Eh, don't need it. Betty. I mean, the that'd be a good one for D and D. Betty the Ranger, very interested. She is not unlocked. Perhaps when I back this, it would help unlocking it. And anything past that? Oh, I can get an additional miniature. No, that's just period. I can't get anything from the front. Now, they have a girl, Octavia, from Anno Domi 1666, which is a dungeon crawl game that I've been very interested in that I missed the Kickstarter. And because it was insanely expensive, and that game has not made it to retail yet, at least that I've seen. Whatever. Uh, they're doing a Dust 1947 girl. Uh, Eleanor the Oh, yeah, come on. How can you not want Georgette the General? Although, again, oh, the, yeah. The Season 1 miniatures are in there, too. At the, oh, yes. At the end. Okay. Oh, it sucks, though. I have to buy the whole thing. That's uh, 22 miniatures for $159. Right. But I just want the, the Hussar. Can I get just her? No? I don't know. Anyway. I don't, you I don't sell think the so. Rest. Yes. So, you can get, and if you really like these, you can get them in um, 54, 54. mm Yeah, which is like yeah. really big. Again, that's where we talk about, you know, I don't want, I can't play with this, but it would look really good on, painted on my shelf. And so there you go. So. I'm dadgummit, I'm probably going to back that. <laughs> uh, the next thing we had, I was going to ask if you guys are familiar with Twilight 2000, because it's coming to Kickstarter next week. Yes, I am. Not really. I used to have it, and I gave it away. The, the that original. was kind of uh, after I stopped playing RPGs and before, before I got back into them, so... Hmm. Let's see. Uh, what did you think of like the setting? Because that's always fascinated me, Roy. Well, it's um, you know, it, it it's it's not really evergreen as far as the timeliness of it, because like when I got it back in the day, it was you know hadn't it wasn't two thousand yet, so I don't. We're gonna have to update the timeline, I guess. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Said it so was... I mean, it's people get sort of stuck in Europe, I guess, after the end of the war. That's kind of what I remember of it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it says here it was released in '84, and it seems like I remember reading that that it was basically it's just after World War Three, and it was like a group of Americans, like mm -hmm. some kind of army group that were just like stuck in Poland or somewhere, and they had to like make it. There, the whole game was like, well, let's try to make it back to America or wherever, mm -hmm. you know. And as I recall, the character creation was pretty meticulous as far as whether you were uh, drafted or whether you're a career uh, military person. You went through like, okay, I've, I've done three tours. 
And so there was there was some dice rolling to kind of there was a kind of a pretty extensive backstory um, for each character that would kind of you know narrowed down and show what your level of uh, expertise was as a uh, military guy. Okay, and they said it will be set in 2000, although it will be in an alternate timeline when the Moscow coup of 1991 succeeded and the Soviet Soviet Union never collapsed. Now, it is done by uh, Free League, you know, the guy that did, um, it. I hate it when my mind blanks, a bunch of really popular uh, RPGs lately, including Tales from the Loop. And, uh, yeah, I have a friend that was like, well, it's, by that rationale, it's going to be expensive for if it's Free League Publishing. I would counter it's still cheaper than, like, Mongoose Publishing. Uh, like, if you ever priced their Traveler stuff, is super expensive. Uh, I'm definitely going to look kind of hard at this, um, this Kickstarter when it launches. It'll probably launch this week, I think. Oh, I'm sorry, it launches, it'll launch the day after this podcast post on August 12th. This is August, right? Yes. Yes, August is 8th. Yeah, September is 9th. Anyway. And, uh, There'll probably be a PDF for the Kickstarter then, since you can get it cheap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I'm just wondering, I swear I remember there were, like, plans, or they did make, like, miniatures and stuff for it. Uh, they used hexes. It was considered a hex crawl and all this different stuff. So I'm just curious as to how they take it. So we'll see. The next thing we had was Games Workshop announces a new edition of Blood Bowl. Are you guys familiar with Blood Bowl at all? Never played it, but I know what it is. Yeah. I've seen it played. Yeah, it's there's been a release for it in 86, 88, 94, 2001, 2016, and apparently in 2020 new editions of Blood Bowl. It's insanely popular for whatever reason. And the gaps in its publishing has led to the rise of a lot of similar games. And essentially, it's basically... It's not football. It's called the game of fantasy football. It's rugby, is what I would say it is. Um, Because it's not soccer. It's more like rugby, and it's fantasy, so it's your human team versus my orc team, or whatever. And I have a dwarven team for it, um, and there's been a good bit of players in my local area. So it's kind of a big deal that they haven't had one in an edition of it in like four years, and so it's, yeah, it's it's happening a new re-release. Now the main yeah, re- I didn't realize there had been that many versions of it. Yeah. And especially those gap years when it was out of print, the long years, if you had a copy, it got really expensive. It is insanely fun to play because you can do like a league, like where you track injuries and you roll for experience at the end of games and, and stuff like that. It's fun. Funny stuff happens, you know, um, especially if you play like goblins and, you know, and stuff like that. But it is a lot of fun and it doesn't take that long. I would say it takes about an hour, hour and a half to play. Um, and just a lot of fun. Now, the main reason why I put it on here was the next thing we had was Guild Ball is over. The end. So there you go. And a lot of people are saying, well, the kind of the main reason why was they just announced a new a new edition of Blood Bowl. Guild Ball got popular in 2014. 
It was successfully funded on Kickstarter to the tune of 93,000 pounds. And, uh, yeah, they did everything they could do. They put their rules out. You know, they even had, like, uh, paper dolls you could download and play with. Their miniatures were sculpted really well. They were single piece, you know, and, yeah, they claim they really released, uh, you know, really listened to the community and all the stuff and, well, couldn't do anything. They did four seasons, 17 guilds, and 250 miniatures. So it is over now. And I've seen a lot of comments on it. Uh, people talked about, like, they don't know what happened. Because uh, when this came out at Gen Con, it was like, you know, people just crowded. You couldn't even get near it to see what was going on. People were so excited that the game, and it was well known for its balance and clean rules, fun to play. And, you know, apparently if you read the thing we'll have posted in the show notes, a lot of people complained about the competitiveness of it. And, uh, yeah. So the competitive scene hurt the lifespan of the game. It became the type of game where you win your first game and then lose your next hundred games. When matched against a less skilled player or inexperienced opponent, opponent, a better player would simply win the vast majority of games. So, eh, I don't know. Isn't it that way with everything, though? You know? I mean, with Star Wars Legion, I guess. I could lose, like, the next 98 games I play, and... Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, am I having fun? What is my whole purpose of being there? Mm -hmm. You know? I I usually plan on losing. Yeah, I mean, I (laughs) I just want to have fun. I just want to hang out and, and, you know, just talk and laugh and whatever. I like tournaments because I can get in a whole bunch of games in one day. The only thing I don't like about it is you never know what you're going to get when it comes down to, uh, you know, your opponent. Are they going to be good? You know, are they? Is it? Are they going to be that guy? Quote unquote. You know, that's what I don't really want. Is that guy? Gaming cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm really cautiously dipping my toe back into Warhammer Forty Thousand, and and that's I've been on the lookout, looking around corners, under rocks, making sure there's no cancer there, and yeah, just keep going. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of Fantasy Flight games, there is the new Armada stuff. We didn't, did we get a chance to talk about this last one or not? Or did I it remember happen? if we did or not. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it happened between the thing. Anyway, they finally put out starter, starter sets for uh, the Clone Wars. At least showed pictures of them and stuff like that. These will be coming, I think, in October. Uh, I know my... Yeah. Um, my, and these are faction specific, so yes. instead of buying a starter set for both sides, like you would for most starter sets that I've seen, you'll actually you'll just buy the you know the CIS starter set or the Galactic Republic starter set. Right, and like the the only thing is, people are complaining because instead of costing half what yeah. the starter set costs, the current starter set, it costs the exact same. And I get that. Um, I kind of wish that they would give you the choice. You know, you can buy one or the other or a big starter set with both. I will. Because part of a starter set is like movement templates and all the extra stuff that comes with it. But I don't know. It's I, I, I can see why people are, are not happy with the fact that they're not offering it. It's just one big thing, because if it truly is a starter set, 
I mean, if if I only buy half, you know, I can't buy that to play with my daughter. I got to buy twice as much, or I can just buy a regular starter set and have enough to at least learn how to play with the family. Well, but if I'm taking it to a game store, then maybe I'll just buy one side. I don't know. Well, the the main thing is um, the reason they apparently they they they're saying they quote unquote listened to people who you know they just wanted to play you know rebels, so they don't want to. They don't know what to do with the Empire half, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I get that. I'm seeing I, that so much with Legion. I don't buy that. I mean, in Legion, there are so many people out there that you can go anytime you want, and you can pick up a starter set and have your friend pick up a starter set, and you two split them. You know? All I want is clones. You can have the droids. All I want is droids. You can have the clones. Let's just split two starter sets. Both sides are happy. But... To not give the option or to make you pay twice as much if you want to do both, eh, I, I, I get why people are upset about that. Well, the reason why the price is where it's at is the ships are bigger. Um, the Rebel side of uh, the Armada box set is literally, it is a Corvette and two Nebulon B frigates, or vice versa. I can't remember which one. You get one of one and two of the other one versus... A Star Destroyer. That's is that what comes in the regular starter set? Because I don't know an Armada. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It's like okay. three small Rebel ships, one big um, Empire one, or is there two? Let me double check that. Um, and these ships are bigger than what you would get in that, especially when it comes down to um, uh, the. The, the stupid rebel ships, you know, because they're ridiculously small in uh, the thing, but the actual core set in it... Uh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. The core set for Armada right now is, is retails 100 bucks. You get one Star Destroyer and one Nebulon B frigate and one Corellian Corvette. That's it. That's okay. all you get. So, there are three obviously ships... Obviously, the price there. is different, but that's kind of how X-Wing is. X-Wing, you get... I think you get like one X-wing and two Tie Fighters or something like that. There's not much in the starter set. Yeah, there's yeah, it's uh, it's just three three freaking ships in there. That's all you get. And so with these new ones, you get the three ships, but they're bigger than the ones in our Armada, and they're all for your faction. Plus, you'll get all the stuff you need, you know, to play the game. So yeah, I mean, I get. They, I mean, most people wanted the three ships, but they wanted it to be $50. And, I, yeah, absolutely. They would sell a whole bunch more. But looking at these uh, these ships, I guess if you pulled out that the bigger, the one big ship in them, maybe you could do that. But I don't know. Then again, people are just going to complain about stuff anyway. The other thing they're doing is uh, I, you get they're changing the card size, which I'm not that crazy about because I have all my cards that fit in a certain thing. Um, and I am happy I'm getting an upgrade card uh, collection, which gives me all the cards from all the stupid uh, uh, ships that I don't own. You know, like X-Wing Yeah, that's what, that's what they did with X-Wing 2. <coughs> so that's good. So, you know. But there you go. I mean, it's, an, it's old news, but I kind of wanted to mention it. And I'm hoping one or two other people... Um, pick it up locally. We were talking at the shop the other day why X-Wing had died. It is because the one 
guy who's the main X-Wing guy, him and his wife, um, both have health issues and will not risk coming out. So, because he's not there to kind of, like, cheerlead and, and keep it going and keep interest going, it's, it's really died down. So, yeah. I keep buying, though. <laughs> Whenever new stuff comes out, I keep buying. Because, I mean, that was, like, my thing. And I'm like, all oh, you guys have been playing since, like, first edition. I'm, you know, I just bought in at second edition. So, I'm really interested in playing. Can we at least start doing one tournament a month? That would make me get off my butt and play some. But, eh, it's just where we're at right now. Anyway, the next thing we had was there is a Twilight Imperium 4th edition expansion called Prophecy of Kings. Yeah, in case the the, uh, the main box doesn't have enough for you, you get a whole bunch of new factions and some new rules and cards and stuff. And um, I'm a huge fan of Twilight Imperium. I try to play. I haven't obviously got to play this year much because it's, it's definitely uh, six people sit around the same table. Actually, I did play once this year before COVID. Uh, but usually I try to play two or three times a year. And I'll definitely get this when it comes out just to see what's in it. It's going to be expensive. It's like a it's like 100 bucks for the expansion, but there's a lot in there. so. It's got Battle Max. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah, like, yeah like new units, new factions, all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> I, I will say I want to... Um... And up to eight players now as well. I guess post-COVID, actually sit down with a group of people that I like and uh, spend a Saturday playing the game and just see yeah, if I like so it. Yeah, good. Isn't it a four, it's a 4X game, right? Um, Which is, you know, that's explore, what? expand, exterminate, yeah, whatever. You know, I, whatever. Guess you, I guess you could call it that. It's Ex- um, Exploit? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's got elements of diplomacy in it. It's got, you know, it's just, it's got a little bit of everything in it. I guess you could call it a 4X game, but really it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a play your neighbor game, you know? Okay. 4X stands for explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you are trying to do all those things, but I think that leaves off the fact that, it's it's very much a diplomatic game, and you have to play the other players against each other, and you know you have mm-hmm. to know the other players and how to how to tweak the person rather than the faction. You've got to know when to hold them. Yeah, know when, maybe to, fold know when them. to fold them too. Yeah, that'd be good. It's important to know when to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one more thing that I can never remember what uh, I wanted to do. So. You got to know when to run. Oh so, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, also in this, uh, and this is linked in the show notes. Edge Studios is rumored to publish a new RPG, most likely Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got the Genesis system, and it seems like they're really pumping a lot out a lot of content, um, and they're they're doing settings for Genesis. Which is cool because Genesis was designed as a, a system, uh, you know, a setting neutral system. That's the whole reason they invented it. Um, so it's cool that they're using their their IP to. What I think would be interesting, and I'm still not exactly sure, but there was, you know, sort of these rumors that they were they were killing off the Star Wars uh, RPG, but the Star Wars RPG and the Genesis RPG basically 
use the same system. I wonder if they're going to maybe release some Star Wars rules that are Genesis specific or they're just going to let that go. But yeah, Twilight Imperium, they already did Key Forge or some others as well. Hmm. Now, um, I wonder, like, okay, I've always found the artwork for uh, Twilight Imperium to be just fascinating. All the different races and stuff look so cool. You know, it's just, and I'm like, wow, I look at that guy, and I'm like, I want to know more about whatever race that is. Why did they wear yeah. that hat that way? And what happened <laughs> to his face? And, you know, so I wonder if they did a RPG, would, would I get like a, a book that's just on, okay, well, this is about the cat people, and this is why they, you know, are the way they are, and use big litter boxes and stuff. I don't know. You know, I just think that would be Yeah. Cool. I mean, I imagine that I would imagine that they would have all 17 factions, all 17 races from the original game, and I can't remember how many are coming out the expansion. Maybe they're in there, too, but um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it would be, because Twilight Imperium is... I mean, it's it's about taking planets and fighting for space and everything, whereas an RPG, you would think you would be, um, you know, one member of one of those factions. Maybe you're Maybe you're on the planet. I don't know. Now, have they ever done a uh, like a, uh, a PC game version or anything? No, they have it on Tabletop Simulator, but not an actual PC game. Okay. Just curious. Uh, oh, and dadgummit, I'm going to have to hunt this. I'm sorry I don't have the link here. I did see on Twitter where um, they're going to start doing fiction based in that universe. I saw a couple of oh, authors. Oh, yeah, I think I heard that, too. Yeah. A couple of authors announced, like, oh, hey, I can finally talk about this. I'm about to start work on this, and it's fiction in the uh, the Twilight Imperium universe. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Again, I want to know more about, you know, that weird alien race there and of whatnot. Which reminds me, I forgot, I guess I should have tossed it in here, and I will in the show notes. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, CBS All Access or have perhaps pirated have you seen uh star trek lower decks no nope. it's there is cartoon i think it's done by the guy that did um rick and morty maybe the animation looks the same the humor isn't quite there but it is funny that they poke fun of a lot of just kind of absurdities in the star trek universe like you know where we are on the ship you know, we're just Joe Schmo, so we can't go up to the bridge. Where's the bathroom? You know, that kind of thing. So it's really good. I like it. So, and the next thing we had, there is a Darkest Dungeon board game that's coming out. That's a really popular video game. Have you guys played? No, so, I've heard of it, but no. This is not in relation to the Jack Chick. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because didn't they make like a like a film or a game or something based off there of was that a, little There was a short comic? film on it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah well, never mind that. Somebody did a live action Darkest Dungeon is basically a roguelike thing. It's like you... I can't remember the story. It has something to do with, like, you inherit this mansion, but the, the it has a dungeon and it's full of stuff. You have to go in there for treasure, clean it out, something like that. And uh, anyway, to actually um, go through, it's really, it, it's really, really hard. If you're familiar with what a roguelike is, it's, you're essentially 
the deck stacked against you. Like you only have like one life, so if you die, you have to like start over. So it's like you and like three or four other members of your party are trying to make it through this dungeon, and you're just you know you get sick, you get stabbed, whatever, and yeah. So and it's pretty hard. So the board game for it might be cool, or you could at least get some really cool miniatures out of it. But there you go. The last thing we got here. Oh yeah, so I put that on there. Yes. What we got? So uh, remember we talked about Onyx Path, and there this is yeah, this is creepy dudes yes. being creepy. Um, so there was a uh, former Onyx Path staffer. Staffer has come forward with allegations that Rich Thomas and Matthew Dawkins forced them out of their position, and then out of the company altogether because they spoke up and said I was assaulted by creepy dudes so i guess i don't know stop it creepy dudes don't don't be creepy so anyway that's yes, good um, advice well, well thanks um that's good for any job not necessarily just you know yeah, that's true. Yeah. good so anyway this yeah i see um, that matthew mcfarland was accused in 2017 on, on an rpg threat rpg RPG Net thread of raping a minor. These accusations were posted by his alleged victim on a thread where he was moderating about sexual predators in the RPG industry. He stopped working for Onyx Pass shortly thereafter and it made a statement severing ties in 2019 and banned his user account out of August 2020. The public cutting of ties occurred shortly after two more of his alleged victims stepped forward. One of the uh, was a co-worker of Onyx Path, and I also came forward to accuse Thomas and Dawkins of punishing them for outing McFarlane as an abuser. Well, this is a Reddit thread, and it has an actual link to the other story. So, you know, I'm not really surprised, like, at all that this kind of stuff happens in the tabletop industry, especially the RPG industry. I know, like, every now and then it pops up with uh, board games, you know, people doing stuff there, but it seems like the main offenders are the RPG industry, so. And yeah, and it keeps happening, and it ought to stop. Yes, and it's, you know, it's usually White Wolf, or, or in, and or anything that Onyx Path has done. Well, I'd say that's, that's Onyx Path. Yeah, yeah I know. The, the number one comment as of this podcast on this article is, we have gone zero days with no White Wolf drama. <laughs> yes, it's very true. I don't know. It, it is weird, you know, I remember being involved in a lot of White Wolf gaming at conventions and stuff, and had friends that were. Uh, a guy locally is a guy that ran the whole Dixie by Night thing, and I'm like, gum, man, I'd love to interview you just to see about how you got all that stuff together pre-internet. And, um, you know, I, I'm just, again, just not surprised, because, you know, there's always shady stuff going on at, at conventions with various questionable things happening here and there. But yeah, it seems like it was always around Vampire the Masquerade. But hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's, I'm stereotyping it, but maybe not. All right. So I guess that brings us to the end of the show. And apparently I need to buy Harpoon. That's what I need to do. No, you need to, you need to get the free jump start. Free jump start. And then, then we'll figure it out from there. Okay, I get that, and then, but I, I mean, it couldn't hurt me to have the rule book. 
You said you said <laughs> just, you, just go ahead and buy everything, Adam. I'm buying it all. I'm, it's already it's already go ahead done. Buy Richard. everything. Get I some minis. I bought it while to re- get painted. I, I bought it while Rory was talking. I, I'm three I'm three hundred dollars <laughs> in. Haven't played it. <laughs> this game's so stupid. I hate it. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Why is it so expensive? I see uh, also, as I'm looking on here, uh, Admiralty Trilogy Group... Uh, oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought they published ASL Journal. It just says, customers who bought this title also purchased. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not surprised. And, of course, they also yeah. they also Shocker. purchased uh, Wings of the Motherland here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's the game Errata. My bad. Which is pay, pay what you want. Eh, if it's an Errata, I think I'm going to put a big old zero in there. That's just me, though. There's a, uh, of course, you never really can trust those because the guy that told you to go get this also played Coracle and Telestrations and Cranium Kaboo that could do this week. Well, it's good. <laughs> it's good that you can do both. That's that's the main thing. So yeah, uh, talk to Mitch. I'd be dying to know like what he what his plans yeah. are, like what country that he likes, you know. I will. So what I'm thinking about doing is after I uh, after I read the, the jump start, and I'll probably just go and buy the base rule book and maybe maybe just like start with U.S. and Russia or something. And I was thinking about trying to figure out how to run some sort of blind, double blind system, you know, maybe, maybe you and Mitch and a couple other people and I can referee it or something just to sort of figure out how to play it because – that's one way that the internet actually is kind of nice, and we can't be in a room together, but that makes double blind all the easier. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which reminds me, I have a friend Tim, uh, used to game with in Hattiesburg. He loves double blind games so much. He will double blind Command Decision, BattleTech, 40K, whatever. He, I, for whatever reason, I, that's just what I know him for. Is hmm. is doing that. At, at conventions and, and whatnot, or just, you know, once a month at the local gaming club, he will set up a, a double blind game. And I gotta say, they're a lot of fun to play. When I you're, love the idea of them, but they are, you know, they've got their challenges. So. It's like, okay, I'm moving forward and, you know, over this way, do I see anything? He's like, well, I don't know, roll the dice. And <laughs> nope, you don't see anything. And then you step on a mine and it's a whole thing and whatever. So, anyway. All right, I guess that's the end of this show. We talked for a while. I'm almost hoarse. And uh, so everybody, you know, wear your mask, stay inside, don't sexually harass people. What else did we learn from this? What did we learn today? What did we learn from this show? Um, don't be a creep. Uh, you should also wear a mask. Don't do creepy stuff, I don't believe. Do, don't do creepy saying. stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. It's been and uh, Roy and I both survived the... Great thunderstorm of the great thunderstorm of August. Uh huh. I'll be hit. Yeah. Next time we record, it'll be a hurricane for me or something. (laughs) All right. We'll say goodnight. Sharknado. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Thundercats, go! It's (laughs) ho! Oh, damn it.